Have you ever had to manage a difficult team member? It can be a challenge, especially when personalities clash and work styles don't align. As women leaders, we tend to be conscientious of relationships and want everyone to enjoy their job, but this can sometimes hold us back from giving honest feedback. In this on-air coaching episode, Louise, a head of department in education, shares her struggles with managing a team member who lacks urgency and falls behind on tasks. If getting on the same page with someone has been a challenge for you, don't go anywhere. This episode is going to give you some things to think about. If you are new to the Women Taking the Lead podcast, hello and welcome. I'm Jody Flynn, and I'm the CEO and founder of Women Taking the Lead. It's a leadership development company that works with individuals, organizations, and boards to close the performance gap by attracting, developing, and successfully promoting more women into senior levels of leadership. These benefits are realized through coaching, consulting, leadership development programs, and keynotes. And if we are not already connected on LinkedIn, please send me an invitation to connect. You can find me directly at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Jody Flynn, or you can search on the platform for Jody Flynn. I am very active on LinkedIn, so I should be at or near the top of the search results. Be sure to add a note to the invitation, letting me know you're a listener of the podcast. I would love to connect with you and get to know you better. Welcome to the Women Taking the Lead podcast, Louise. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm delighted to have you. Uh, you know, as as everyone knows, I've introed this uh, episode and we are doing an on-air coaching call. So thank you for applying to be on the podcast. And from what you shared, I think this is a great topic um, for people, especially new leaders to hear about because this is common, common, common common across the board common so but before we roll into you know what you wanted to talk about today give everyone a little um insight into the work that you do and kind of the role you play in your organization yeah absolutely so i work in education and i work with students between the ages of 11 and 16 um, i'm a head of department I've been teaching for six years and I've just gone into the role of head of department. So I'm responsible for the development of history and geography curriculums and leading all of the teachers within those departments. So it's been quite a change, but working in education is something that I've always really enjoyed. And this is the, you know, the next step to that journey. Absolutely. And it's a great place to be. And I'm sure with the work that you do, no two days are the same. There's always a new challenge oh, and something ex- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always something exciting going on to, to, to keep you on your toes. But there was something specific that you wanted to talk about today. So share with, with everyone and, you know, get the ball rolling on um, what what particular challenge are you dealing with in your new role? So the thing that I found is um, learning that my role is management of people as well as history and geography. And um, I've got a member of my department who is a challenge and who is 
a personality that I've not had to be responsible for before um, in past, you know, roles and responsibilities. And it's just dealing with someone who is quite resistant to the things that you're trying to do um, at every opportunity is something that I'm really struggling with. And it's been impacting the way that I lead other members of the team. So it's something that I really need to tackle head on. Yes. And, you know, as I was saying, this is so common that when we come into a new role, it's almost rare to take on a new leadership role and not have someone that you feel challenged by, whether overtly or just internally, you feel this person presents a growth opportunity for you. Like there's something here to learn. Like you just haven't come across this type of personality or challenge before. I love how you put that. It's not the person, it's the personality that you're finding some conflict with. So why don't we, considering we're talking about personalities, if you can kind of describe your personality and then describe this other person's personality and why, where, where the conflict lies. I would say that I try and go about things with a sense of humour, but I've got that typical um, British sarcasm, dry sense of humour, a little bit self-depreciating, you know, trying to just get through the day. Um, and that tends to work well with the people that I get on with. Um, but I'm also really hyper aware of what I have to do, how I need to get it done, how that's going to impact other people and other timelines. And I put a lot of pressure on myself not to inconvenience anyone else's plans, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if I'm just a cog in the higher up plan, then I will be really aware of like, oh, this needs to be done so that everything else can be done. Um, and I think the person that I'm working with is much more relaxed they're much more jovial light-hearted and always having a laugh but their sense of urgency just doesn't exist um and it you know you set a deadline nothing's responded to um I think when I started the position it came across as very much a personal difference and it's taken a lot to try and work out okay it's not that this person doesn't like me it's just the way that they operate is different to me Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it sounds like humor wise, you both have a good sense of humor, yeah. which is great, right? That's probably helping the situation a little bit, right? Because yeah. you know, <laughs> when, when you have a good sense of humor and you see in somebody else a good sense of humor, you say to yourself, well, they can't be so bad, right? They can't yeah. be so bad because at least they have a good sense of humor and they, 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 you align on that. Okay. So where the conflict lies is you have a greater sense of urgency in terms of getting certain work done to make sure other people are not inconvenienced by you holding anything up. Yeah. <laughs> so for those who aren't watching, who can't see this because it's audio only, Louise's cat just jumped across the monitor. I've seen cats walk across the monitor. That's the yeah. first time I've seen a cat jump down. She's half so she does fly around the room sometimes. <laughs> I I love it. I always love cats walking across the screen and now I'll appreciate cats jumping across the screen too. So that your cat has a good sense of humor as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what I um, heard you saying is you don't w- want to be a cog in the wheel. So when you know, you know, there's something you need to get done that will help other people 
you know, be able to do their job, you feel a great sense of urgency to make sure it's, it gets done. Whereas this other individual is more laid back. He does not feel that sense of urgency. So tell me about how, how this shows up. Um, I find that the main issues are deadlines aren't met. Um, If we agree as a department that something's going to be done, they will always be the person that hasn't got it done or just avoids it completely. Um, things like responding to emails, keeping in contact have been a really difficult challenge. And where we are teaching in the classroom all the time, we don't have time to chase each other through the corridors or run to your classroom. You know, email is our main form of communication. Mm-hmm. And those conversations have happened where I've said, you know, we need to keep up communication we need to make sure we're on the same page and I'm either met with oh I am or just stone-faced not willing to engage in the conversation Mm -hmm. and I think like you said having the good sense of humor as a as a similarity is really good but you hit a point of frustration where you're working so hard and you see someone doing very little and that's where you can slip into the bitterness, which I've tried, I've often <laughs> tried to avoid, you know? Right. Right. Cause there's some misunderstanding going on here. Right. Mm. So, you know, oftentimes when, cause let me put it this way, how you go about things is you're very conscientious of mm. other people. And when somebody else isn't behaving the way you would behave in a similar situation, we almost leap to, well, they're not conscientious, right? And that is coming from our own perspective. We know what motivates us to do certain things. So when somebody else isn't behaving the way we would, we assume that they're just the opposite from us. And sometimes what it is, it's like, it's just, it's not the opposite. And it may not even be conscientiousness or a lack of conscientiousness going on with this individual at all. Sometimes, and for, and this is just a, for example, because I don't know what's motivating him yet. I haven't, I haven't quite got the insight there. He may not feel that the communication is a problem at all. Mm-hmm. Right. He may not be seeing any problem. Like, yes, he understands we need to stay on top of email. But what does that mean for him? Like for him, if you were to ask him, like, when I say you need to stay on top of your email, what what does that mean to you? Right. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, Louise, when I say when we're talking about staying on top of your email, what does that mean for you? Uh. For me, it's checking regularly okay. every like several times a lesson to make sure that nothing urgent is happening or needs to be done. Okay, so that's at least several times within an hour or so. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Is he clear that that's what you're expecting? We've had the conversation about it, and the response has been, well, I'm so busy, my timetable's so busy, and I've tried to, you know, put it forward in, oh, it only takes a couple of minutes. Just have a glance every now and again. And that way they don't all pile up. Um, and I must say, since we've had that conversation, he has been a bit more responsive to it, but only when it's quick wins. If it's like, oh, you've got a deadline that was the other day, 
have you done that thing that I asked you to send me? That's just never responded to. Right, right. Because he's going to get it done probably in his head, right? I'm kind of making this up. He doesn't want to respond to the email to say, I didn't do it. I failed, right? Because that translates to, I've failed you. I'm not meeting expectations. He's probably thinking, I'll respond to that once I get done. Mm-hmm. what needed to get done. Right. So he doesn't want to own up to that. Okay. So he's good with quick. So he can do it. He can, you know, yeah. once, once it was clear, here's what I'm expecting. He, he was responsive to that. Now he just needs a little more motivation on, okay, separately the deadlines. Cause the deadlines are now contributing to his responsiveness to the email. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's look at that. Tell me about what's going on in terms of like he's not hitting deadlines um we have introduced a policy across the school of um we have to have two assessments done two marking pieces of work done every half term and it is a difficult thing to monitor and maintain and we as a department have said you know it is a challenge but everyone else in the department has managed to hit those deadlines or has let me know in advance if they're not going to hit the deadlines, which again, I always say that's fine as long as we've got a plan to work towards it. Um, And when you look at their work and their deadlines, it's not being done and I'm not being spoken to about it. And whenever I try and have that conversation, it's very much, Oh, is that what we're doing? Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. Or yeah, I'm working on it or I'm so busy. This is so ridiculous. And it just feels like constant, excuses and I just think a everyone else who is also very busy is managing to do it um and I'm offering support and I'm offering help and you're not taking it Mm -hmm. okay I believe you mentioned and correct me if I'm wrong when you applied you mentioned this individual had the or the same issues were there with prior leaders in the position, right? You coming into the role and facing this challenge, this is not a new challenge for the person supervising him. No, it's not at all. Okay. So this is something that's been ongoing and nobody has cracked the code. I don't think anyone's tried to crack the code. And I think that's where we're running into issues. Ah. I think that he might receive me as coming into a new position And I don't want it to be read as I'm trying to assert my authority. I'm in charge. You need to do this. But it's just been this issue that hasn't been addressed for so long Mm -hmm. that now I look horrible for trying to change the way that it's been for a few years. This is what happens, right? When we're not holding people accountable, you know, uh, and giving people like, constructive feedback in a positive empathetic, even, you know, it doesn't have to be harsh, but like just letting people know whether they're meeting expectations or not and offering support, you know, we're, we pass issues on to the next person. Now the next person has, has to deal with that. And I remember in a previous company, if somebody wanted to transfer into another department, you had to sign off as a leader saying that they were good. Right. right. That they were a good employee because you could not pass on to another department an issue that you were not dealing with. Right. Yeah. So so it actually would come to a head if someone wanted to transfer and you were like, I can't. 
I can't yeah. because you're not meeting expectations. And then as a leader, you you looked ridiculous because if you had not been addressing it or giving them mm -hmm. the appropriate feedback, that that did never went well for leaders in that position. Okay. So now my brain is settling down a little bit. <laughs> okay. So he doesn't seem to be responsive to the conversation of we all have to meet this other, you know, pretty much does, is he aware that he's the only one in the department that's not meeting this expectation? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And what, how has he responded to that information? Um, I think he's, he's always shocked and kind of can't understand how we managed to do it or how other people managed to do it. Cause I'm not always on top of it, but yeah, it's just this, it feels like feigned ignorance of, Oh, I didn't realize we were all progressing so well. I thought we were all struggling, but mm -hmm. every meeting we have, we talk about where we're, we're at and what we're working on. Mm -hmm. So he's well aware. Yeah. Okay. And, and sometimes that response can truly mean he's having a hard time wrapping his mind around the fact that everyone's on point. Mm. Right. And he's, yeah. he's not cause he's struggling. Let me ask you this. If he were a student of yours, how would you approach this situation? I think it would be a sit down conversation. It'd be discussing having a conversation about the progress that they've made and saying, what's going on? Like, why are, why are we having issues? Is there anything I can help you with? And breaking it down to move forwards. Mm -hmm. And if the student had responded the way he had in prior meetings, where would you go from there? If it was a student, I think I would acknowledge the, the, the attitude and the approach to it and say I've noticed that when we have these conversations this is how you're responding why is that okay have you thought about that approach no because that terrifies me <laughs> wow okay Louise why does that terrify you tell um, me about that my line manager says, you know, you have to have these difficult conversations yeah. and I don't want to have them. Okay. <laughs> he's, but you... he's got more experience, you know, I just, in that sense, you've got the, the classic like imposter syndrome of I'm not very good at this. So I'm going to mess it up. Ah, okay. Okay. So this, this is um more the concern about what the response would be, Yeah, but you're I'm very comfortable. Yeah. But you're very comfortable with students. It's just you've attributed all of these other characteristics to this individual. He's older. He's probably been doing this for a lot longer, all of that. And the reality is he's struggling. Mm. He is struggling, you know, just like one of your students are. And this is the thing, too, because sometimes I do do comparisons with how we interact with children who are developing and how we interact with our team. And there is no disrespect in that because yeah. at the, at the heart of it all, we're human beings. Yeah. Right. And we all, you know, tend to learn the same way. And your, your students, I mean, he is, he is an adult and adults do learn slightly differently, but we all, you know, sometimes need that conversation of 
I've noticed this is how you respond when we, <laughs> when, yeah. whenever we have this conversation, tell me about that. You know, that, that is the same conversation you can have with an adult. I don't know about you, but I have discovered amazing music, books, TV shows, movies, restaurants, and podcasts for sure, because a friend or colleague told me about it. Our network, made up of friends, family, colleagues, and acquaintances, are a vital source of information and access to resources for us. If you find the content and suggestions from this podcast valuable, could you do me a huge favor? Could you share it with a friend or colleague? Typically, the best way to share a podcast is to share a specific episode that made you think of the other person. You can share an episode right from your podcast app, or you can send the link to the webpage found in the episode description. My goal is to help millions of women to grow and feel calm and confident in their leadership. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for helping me to do this. And I thank you for helping the woman in your life be the confident leader she is meant to be by introducing her to this podcast. So thank you. I worry that it's going to come across as patronizing though to have someone who's a little bit younger than you say oh I've noticed that you're struggling like what can I help you with what Mm -hmm. if my fear is a he gets offended because he thinks I'm patronizing him or b he just says no I'm fine Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then I I get stuck on the oh okay bye okay well you felt comfortable saying to him that it only takes a couple of minutes to check your email so tell me why that felt more comfortable than giving him feedback saying you've noticed a pattern um I don't know I think the second one feels a bit more um, personal feels like the wrong word but more intense Mm. I'm looking at how you're behaving Yes. And I'm aware of it. Whereas, oh, checking your emails only takes a couple of minutes. I'm sure it'll be fine. Gotcha. It's much more flippant. It's much more logistically easy to tackle, isn't it? Yeah. You can walk away. Yeah. Oh, it just takes a couple of minutes and we're done with this conversation. Yeah. I'm, I'm uncomfortable and I'm glad to be walking away right now. Okay. And the, uh, yes. And the other one, it's you're holding him accountable. Yeah. He's going to be held accountable. Like I, as as a leader, right? And as the person who is accountable to your performance, I have to talk about your performance with you. And the way you put it, the way you said it to the student, the first time, it was very direct, right? It was not patronizing at all. Just saying, okay, I'm, you know, just want you to know I'm noticing something, that there, there is this response of you didn't know, or it's you're you're not overly concerned. However, he's showing up for you. You can give him that feedback. You know, tell me about that. Yeah, it I, it sounded very respectful. Like the way you spoke to your students okay. sounded very respectful. Okay, well that's positive to hear. Then at least I know I can go into that conversation and 
and um, it will sound okay and it will sound, you know, professional and respectful. Yes. And you can even lay the groundwork a little bit and say, you know, I've been meaning to have a heart to heart with you. Yeah. You know, that, that sort of thing. I don't know if you would say heart to heart and, and (laughs) (laughs) and and given us a little bit, he might be like, Oh, Louise. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Right. Cause that could, you could use humor. You know, we can call this a bit of a heart to heart, right? But you're doing it. I, you know, I don't get like, yes, this is a frustration, right? You said like after a while you get bitter, but what I hear in your voice and how you talk about this as well is you care about this person. Like you want, you want him to do well. Yes. You want your job to be easier. And Mm -hmm. if he's responding to emails and hitting deadlines, your job would certainly be easier, but there is, you do have a sense of respect for this person in terms of like their age and their, how many years they've been in the classroom and doing this job, you know, and you do have an appreciation for their sense of humor. You want them to do well, you know, and coming from that place of, I want to have a great work environment. I I want us to have a fantastic working relationship. I want you to be succeeding, you know, and when we talk, you tell me how time crunched you are, how under pressure you are. It sounds incredibly unpleasant. Yeah. You know, so let's talk about that, you know, and that, that opens up, you know, when, when you state where you're coming from, you know, and what your intentions are, it's easier for people to hear what you have to say, right? So in these conversations, you do have to take a few moments to kind of give context to it and lay the groundwork. But once you open up and get a little bit vulnerable, right? Even 10%, like 10%, like, like, like I, I, I care about you enjoying your job. I care about us having a great working relationship. I want, you know, this to be easier for you. So let's, let's talk about that. If you get 10% vulnerable, it opens up the door for him to get 10% vulnerable too. He'll be more likely to open up about what's going on. Even if it's just like kind of opening the door. Yeah. And it, you know, and it may look like more than one conversation, but if he opens the door, he opens the door right yeah. now. You you can step through it. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because I've been thinking about how I approach the whole working relationship. And I think before, I mean, even at the time that I applied to have this conversation with you, we, I was looking at it as a win-lose. Well, if I compromise on this, he wins and, you know, I have to give over and things like that. And one of my friends said, you know, part of being a middle leader and taking on a leadership responsibility is having that compassion for the people that you work with and, you know, doing your best to understand where they're coming from and how you can help because ultimately it's my job to make sure that you can do your job. So how can I help? And when they said that to me, I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to hear it from a couple of different yeah. places, right? Exactly, yeah. And the other thing we have to remind ourselves of, because, you know, it like the win-lose 
scenario sounds very competitive. Now we're competing against, you know, the person we're leading and that doesn't feel that doesn't feel good. Right. Like anyone for anyone, because even a win, like in that scenario, a win wouldn't even be a win if they lose, because now you have someone that you lead who's just lost. Right. Yeah. And so that doesn't feel good. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that the the people we're leading or managing, they don't wake up in the morning thinking, how can I really get on Louise's nerves today? Exactly. What, yeah. what can I do that would just, oh, just, just send her blood pressure through the roof? Because that would be a good day for me. Most people like at the at worst case scenario, want to fly under the radar, mm. right? And just get through the day, get by, you know, but the sounds of it is like, he might have some time management stuff going on, or he's, he's got uh, some priorities that might be like, misaligned, you know, and until yeah. you know that, um, you just don't know, right? He, he could be truly s- struggling. You know, and and not wanting to talk about it, and there might be some of that, like, oh, Louise is a new leader. How can she help me? Right? I've 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 gotten that line from older gentlemen as well. You're, you know, X years younger than me. What can you do? What can can you teach me? But you, as a teacher, know there are oftentimes you learn things from your students. Yeah, yeah. You say things to them. You're in the same position where he can learn some things from you, right? You know this because he is struggling and there are some things you can offer him, right? But the the thing is, is like when we learn from our students is sometimes when they're not even intending to try to teach us anything, they're just sharing. Yeah. Right. So perhaps coming at this conversation of, you know, I'm not trying to play teacher over you. I want to share something that might be helpful. Okay. Yeah. And again, you're stopping that patronizing element and saying, look, I don't want to be teacher student. Yeah. Or manager, employee, you know, department head, teacher, right? I know you're still in the classroom. So to a large extent, you're still very much like same level colleagues, but you have that added responsibility of making sure it's a well-run department. Right. And so you have to take on added responsibility and following up with people and managing them so that everyone's meeting the department goals. Do you feel ready to have that conversation? Um, I think I could have that conversation, at least start the ball rolling, because I think it got to a point where both of us were very frustrated with each other and it got very frosty for a while. Um, and I've been thinking, you know, we need to start to rebuild the the connection there. And I think that might be the first step and having a conversation and saying, look, let's talk about this and let's see how we can move forward and how I can help, you know? Yes. Yeah. Because that's the thing. You just, you want to help them. Yeah. Right? And coming from that place. Perfect. Okay. When will you have that first conversation with him? <laughs> <laughs> well, conveniently. We've got our Easter break now, so we won't see each other for another two weeks. Yeah. Um, it might be a good idea to have it fresh off the bat when we come back. So mm. then we in our last term of school before the summer holidays. And it's almost like turning over a new leaf, isn't it? And then yeah. you've got the term and then we'll have a nice long break to hit the ground running again in September. 
Absolutely. Um, there are these reset points are perfect when there's already some change going on, right? Something new is happening, right? It's the new start of the, of a new, a new term. We're coming back from the break. We're getting ramped up again and just inviting him into a conversation to say, Hey, let's, let's start off on the right foot. Like, let's have a conversation about what's going on so that I can support you in the way that you, you need to be supported. Okay. So when you come back from Easter break, you'll be having this conversation with him. Yes. Yeah. I think that'd be a good time for it. Okay. Perfect. Anything else, Louise? Um, just to do with my position. Mm -hmm. Anything Um, else you wanted to talk about? There is, it's not as large scale as what we've just been talking about, but um, one thing that's been rearing its head recently is that I, my old line manager who used to be head of humanities has now come back to the role of teacher and is working part-time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they were coaching me when I was becoming a teacher, when I was training. And now it's like the roles have reversed yeah. and I'm trying to implement things. And you have, they did say to me before I took over, they said, don't feel like you're stepping on my toes. If you want to get rid of stuff, get rid of it. I don't care. Um, but now when I'm like, let's try this, they're very much, oh, I'll do my own thing. Or um, I'm like, oh, you didn't attend this meeting. Oh, yeah, I didn't have to come. I was like, no, you did have to come. And again, it's a difficult conversation, but in a completely different way because it's such a different relationship. Mm -hmm. And I just have to approach that, yeah. Yes. Okay, so the relationship um, can create more challenges but also can make it easier. Right. Because you can't, this was your mentor at one point. Yeah. Right. And now, and they gave you permission to have Mm -hmm. this conversation with them, essentially, not in so many words. Right. But they, they set the standard of it's okay for you to change things. It's Mm -hmm. okay. Don't worry. I don't want you to feel like you're stepping on my toes. They've already said you're not. Yeah. Right. So you can go into the conversation. And so again, setting the groundwork, setting the context of the conversation, call them back to that time when they said that to you. Okay. Just be like, Hey, remember when you were coming back and you said you didn't want to step on my toes and you were totally open to change. I want to talk about that because again, here's what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And that will open the, and you can say, you know, I admire you. I'm so grateful for all of the things that you've taught me. And I want this department to run well, right? You had, you were big shoes to fill and now I want to do the best job. So here I am having a conversation with you in order to achieve that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they may not realize. Yeah. Because right? you know, going part time as well, you start winding down and doing yeah. a little bit less. And yeah. Yeah. And when you're part time, I've heard part time people say this as well. They, they undervalue the role that they play and the mm-hmm. impact that they have. They're like, oh, I'm just a part timer. I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of in and I'm out and I'm not really here. And you're like, but if you're here, you're here. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yes. And we're only a small team anyway, so any kind of deviation or change or issue is um, magnified, isn't it? If there's, I think there's five people in my department, six, five and a half, let's say. Right, right, <laughs> absolutely. So if the you know, half position is kind of in and out and not following the same rules as everybody else, that's still impactful, even if they are part-time, right? Because sometimes it's just human nature, right? We kind of watch how our leader is interacting with other people to find out what can we do and not do. Mm-hmm. And this, where are the boundaries, right? We are naturally as human beings, we want to know where the boundaries are. Yeah. And we constantly test them. Even if it's not every day, even if it's only every now and again, every now and again, there will be a stress test on the boundaries because we want to know, is this still true? Yeah. You know, are we, do we still have to attend all the meetings? Do we still have to hit all the deadlines? Which for some people can be a little bit tedious to have to constantly remind people of the expectations and the boundaries Mm. and what, you know, all of that. But it's important just because we're, we're working with human beings, right? So we always want to know, have there been any changes? Are we still good? (laughs) Does this still apply? And so, yes. And having the conversation and that is something your former line manager will understand right? You being the former line manager set a tone in the department, even though you're Mm part-time, you still have an impact. People still watch what you do and how you show up. So I'm, you can even say, I'm asking for your support. Yeah. To do this. How does that feel? You make it sound so much easier. (laughs) In my head, it becomes this big thing of, oh, they're going to hate me. And and when you actually talk about it and what it's going to look like, you think, oh, that's not going to be that bad. You know, oftentimes these kind of conversations, even if you haven't gotten coaching before going into them, don't you often feel on the other side, wow, that went much better than I thought it was going to. I feel so much better now that I've had this conversation. Our brains catastrophize. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we're looking for threats. The way our brain works is it wants to keep us safe and it wants to avoid any kind of a threat. So our brain oftentimes goes to what's the worst thing that could happen in this situation? Yeah. Not from a let's make let's just call it out and make it easier. But our brain will play out all of these scenarios where the conversation goes off the rails and we've hurt the relationship. Right. So yeah. those those are the stakes our brains are creating for us when the reality is most people are pretty reasonable, mm-hmm. right? If you tell them why something is important or why you need to have the conversation and where you're coming from, they're like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And which is how most of these conversations usually go. As long as we stay in, like you said, like we don't want to be patronizing. We don't want to be disrespectful, but you're not that type of person right? You are respectful. You are considerate and kind to people. So bringing that energy, you know, and intention to the conversations will, will serve you well Mm. and help these conversations go smoothly. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, I've, um, I've always thought, well, since I got this role, I always thought, okay, well now I need to be really stern and harsh. And now I'm realizing, no, you don't have to do that at all. That doesn't work. (laughs) No, no. There is certain um, personalities, not harshness, 
Um, but sometimes being direct mm-hmm. and sometimes stern, right? But it, it's more, um, I think of like the puppy personalities, right? The people who just have lots of energy, <laughs> you know, like we love them, but sometimes they need directness. Yeah. You know, not because they're bad, but they just bring a, a different energy to the table. But they're, they're, very rare, the type of person who needs you to be super direct and, and kind of stern and direct, right? The, those are the type of people who want to know um, that there's going to be consistency and that there are expectations and that sort of thing. Most adults operate from a place of like, you tell them the expectations and they're good with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else, Louise? Um, no, I think... I think that's it clearly conversations are my uh my area of development <laughs> you know and it's not uncommon i think having those um and you know this what's really funny is this episode is coming out just after we i've done some episodes on giving constructive feedback you know oh, from perfect. from a positive <laughs> way so this this was perfect timing because this is the common thing, right? Cause like most women, especially women leaders, we're very conscientious of relationships and how important relationships are. And we just want everyone to enjoy their job, yeah. right? You know, or at the very least, you know, not be what's causing people to not like their jobs, right? right exactly. And if we yeah. can go even further and be the reason why people enjoy their jobs, great, you know, but, you know, that can be a sticking point and, and can hold us back from giving honest feedback. And yeah. honest feedback doesn't mean unkind or harsh. It's just honest, right? Yeah. Like, this is this is true for me, right? Mm-hmm. This is the situation. These are the facts. This is what I'm noticing, right? Those yeah. are those are honest conversations. So, so I thank you for getting vulnerable and being open about that this, this is a stumbling block for you. And it's such the potential for growth, right? Because if you can get comfortable with these types of conversations, your job gets so much easier, right? Because you're having them right when, right when problems crop up, you're yeah, able exactly. to have the conversations rather than waiting for them and having them fester. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> well, Louise, thank you so much um, for, you know, applying and being, and, you know, just sharing your challenges so other women leaders can learn from your experience. So I cannot thank you enough. And thank you. You know, this has been so useful and I'm so grateful to get to have this conversation with you. Thank you. What were your takeaways from this on-air coaching call? If you've been frustrated with a team member who is not meeting expectations, were you able to see a different approach you could take in an upcoming conversation with that person? What would you do differently? Head over to LinkedIn to share your thoughts and takeaways on the post corresponding to this episode. I want to hear from you as to what stood out most for you and what you took away. And if your last promotion has you experiencing and confronting challenges you haven't faced before, consider working with me. I would love to support you through this transition, help you get your feet back under you and feeling confident in your leadership once again. You can find the link to schedule a time to chat with me in the episode description. If you're listening through a mobile device, that link will be in your podcast app. 
If you are listening through the Women Taking the Lead website, the link will be toward the bottom of the episode webpage. As always, I hope this was of value to you and here's to your success.